passion. So although I talk to all women, the black woman's pain is special to me because that's where I come from. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girl Uninterrupted. Hypnotic conversations on the misadventures and how I always seem to mess up the road to self-discovery. We're talking about embracing the transition from my childish 20s to my grown AF 30s, being unapologetically Black, changing the narrative of this Black girl's trials with my tribe. Black Girl Uninterrupted is a podcast for all my marginalized Black girls worldwide. I am your host, Coco Amore, and welcome back. A Room Full of Sisters by Mona Lake Jones. A room full of sisters. Like jewels in a crown, vanilla, cinnamon, and mmm, dark chocolate brown. Now picture yourself in the midst of this glory as I describe to you the sisters who are part of this story. There were wing purple, royal blue, and all shades of red. Some had elegant hats on their heads. With sparkling eyes and shiny lips, they moved through the room, (laughs) swaying their hips. Speaking with smiles on their African faces, their joy and laughter filled all the spaces. They were fashionable and stylish and what they were wearing. Beautiful sisters, all who were loving and caring. You see, it's not about how these sisters appeared. Their beauty was in the values that they revered. They were smart, articulate, and well-read, with all kinds of Black history stored in their heads. Jugglers of professions, managers of lives, mothers of children, lovers, and wives. They were good-hearted and kind, reaching out to others, giving back to the community, and supporting our brothers. All these sisters had struggled in the path, suffered from prejudice, and endured the raft. But they brushed off their dresses and pushed on the door, and they came back stronger than ever before. Now imagine, if you will, the essence and the thrill as you stand feeling proud in the heart of this crowd. The sojourner truths of today still out in front blazing the way a room full of sisters like jewels in the crown vanilla cinnamon and mm, 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 dog chocolate brown welcome back to another episode of black girl uninterrupted i am your host coco amor and damn y'all i fucks with y'all Last episode was so lit. I got so much love and I am still overwhelmed by how much love, girl, you can't keep a man, got. And I'm just, I'm just so happy. Like, I'm just so happy. I just can't even like express how much love I feel in my heart for my queens who have been sharing, liking, commenting, and posting, and just really giving me some really good feedback on how I can improve the podcast, how I continuously um, 
keep me going and keep me inspired to keep doing this podcast because y'all, I got things to say and I want to make sure that I'm making content for my queens. And today's episode is an ode to the Black female screenwriters and directors who is making waves in mainstream movies, theater, TVs. It's a blessing to finally start seeing ourselves outside of slavery movies, um, seeing ourselves outside of being sexually promiscuous. It's just, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I don't think you guys understand how important a movie like The Photograph is. So today I am about to go see it. So I wanted to make sure I get the podcast out to you all so you guys can enjoy the po- enjoy the movie, enjoy the podcast, enjoy the content. And we're going to come back to it in the middle of the week and we're going to discuss the photograph. Now, I wanted to do this before I seen the movie just because I wanted my perception to just take control of this episode. And I want to talk about it after I see it, right? Because, you know, it could be some stuff in there. It could be some stuff. But I want to just, just going into it. I just want to touch on like how important, you know, seeing ourselves in movies of this caliber and giving a big, big, big thank you to the women, the black women, the black queens who are back in Hollywood making in concerted effort to ensure that the true dynamic of the black woman, the true dynamic of our stories, the true essence of what it is to be a black woman in America mainstream outside of the idea, the characteristics that others have put up on ourselves is so important for our narratives to be told in This is an ode to you. This is an ode to the Ava DuVernay's. This is an ode to the Issa Rae's, the Tina Gordon's, the uh, Cassie Lemons, the Mara Brocka Kills. This is an ode to you, Stella McGee, another one. I can go on and on and on about how important these women are in these roles. So we're going to get into an ode to the Black female director, and I'll be right back. (laughs) All right, y'all, we are back. So I came up with this topic because First of all, it's Lovers Weekend, so shout out to all the lovers out there. Shout out to to Bay. Hey, Bay, I know you listen by way of transit while you're in the car. <laughs> but um, y'all know I've been doing this long distance thing, y'all, and it's killing me. And today, like, I just got up this morning. I was like, I'm going to book me a flight. I'm going to see my Bay. You know we. <laughs> shit, hey, shit, shit needs to get done. Okay, y'all. Shit need to get cracking. Okay. But anywho, I came up with this topic because 
Last weekend, I sat home and I dreaded the idea of pressing on Netflix and watching A Fall From Grace. And yes, all of you guys who know me, you know, once upon a time, I really loved Tyler Perry. And then I reached a point of my life where I began to realize what was really happening in the narratives of what Tyler Perry was creating. It was such a sad thing, you know, to go from seeing Tyler Perry on stage. It was a momentous year for me. I was deciding whether I wanted to go to New York and study to become an actor. Do I want to go to California, live with my uncle and become a struggling actress? Or do I just want to go to college and just, you know, figure things out from there and pursue radio personality, right? So I'm struggling through these choices of what it is that I want to do with my life at uh, 17 years old. And here it comes. My uncle takes me to a Tyler Perry play. It's one of the first Medea uh, plays that he had on the Chitlin Circuit. And it was at the James L. Knight Center. It wasn't a packed house. It was about 30 people there. And we go to this Tyler Perry play. And I just thought it was so hilarious. But then I took my first official mass comm class. And the class of choice was African Americans in the media. That class changed my life and it changed my perception of TV. I could never have enjoyed TV after taking that class. And the reason why is because the very innocent things that you get to see on TV that you didn't think was harmful to your brain now is embedded into you because, oh shit, this is a bigger issue. And when I learned what was going on, you know, mentally, I started to process Tyler Perry's character, Medea. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know where the hell the word Medea come from or Medea is obviously a Southern or a country Southern thing because I call my grandmother, grandmother, okay? Okay, and my grandmother is a very small, petite lady and very, very uh, classy, you know? Um, She's not ghetto. She's nothing like me. She's just a very refined woman. So so when you see somebody like Medea and you don't have that presence in your house, it's funny at first. And then you take a class like African-Americans in the media and you break down and say, oh, shit, this is Mammy. This is this is what a Mammy is. And this is what they wanted us to believe the black grandmother is like. And I could no longer relate to the perspective of black grandmotherhood in that time or in that location. So. I was dreading watching that movie because I knew what I was going to see. I knew I was going to see 
the demonization of black men. I knew I was going to see the the gullibleness of a black woman. I knew I was going to encounter some sort of white savior complex. Um, but actually, it really wasn't any, and it was surprising. It was going to be this helpless individual who could not fathom learning how to live without being with a man. And here I am, a successful woman, and I have to always be broken down by a bum-ass nigga. If there is a history of the same type of narrative in all of Tyler Perry's movies. It's always a black woman who is being saved by some broke ass motherfucker. And not to say we shouldn't, you know, date dudes on the come up or dudes on the progress, but here it is. These were fine women in these storylines are always being broken down to like pieces to where like now they have to rely on spirituality to bring them back up by men and then to end up with men who are not even socioeconomically and just they're just not on the same level so I just never understood his his reasoning. And it wasn't until recently Tyler Perry posted that he cranked out all of the scripts of all of these different shows that he done he's doing on the own channel with the pains, a couple other shows I don't watch because I know it's gonna be some bullshit. And and then I fall from grace. And he says, ain't no writer's room. That's the fucking problem, Tyler. I want to be clear. I want to see other black people win. I'm not being a crab in a barrel. But it is a problem when every person that you come across or every individual story you write, you have to bring us down and not tell a narrative of a black woman who is doing shit, who got her shit together, who can handle shit on her own, who is loved, who is loved by men who is equally yoked. I'm sorry, Tyler Perry. I can't relate to the stuff that you are putting in your movies. I'm never that gullible. And I know a couple of females that's not that gullible. And it is something so special about a black woman who can manage her own, manage her finances, do what she has to do and still be loved and still be seen as being loved and equally loved by another person. So I'm sorry, Tyler Perry, that you don't have it in you to say, you know what, let me make a movie that has no fucking stereotypes, that has nothing to demonize a black man, that has nothing to do with breaking down a black woman. The ever essence of everything who she is. Why must you break it into fabricated pieces of what you think we are? So this is an ode to the black woman directors and screenwriters who is taking away 
that perspective that Tyler Perry has created for us black women to be put into. And they're taking that narrative and they're changing it. And they're saying, no, this is our love story. For so many years, I wanted Tyler Perry to just say, here's a black girl love story. It's not that he don't have the talent to do it. It's not that he don't have the people and the actors and the, and the depth and the reach that he cannot do it. It's because he don't want to. That's the difference between Tyler Perry and the Ava DuVernay. That's the difference between Tyler Perry and Issa Rae. That's the difference between Tyler Perry and Myra Brock-Akil. That is the fucking difference. And if you don't see the difference, shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. In every Tyler Perry film, you can expect a black mother to be a drug addict, an alcoholic, on food stamps, every fucking thing you can possibly think what a black woman, quote unquote, is about. When people see those movies that Tyler Perry produces and directs and writes, that's their perspective of us. Whether people want to see it or not, when they take that in, people are consumers. They consume ideas. The same idea that created Mammy. When people saw Mammy on TV, that's what they thought all black women were like. When I worked for the police department, we had a, a conversation and he said, and we were talking about, you know, who could be the next president after Obama, yada, 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 right? Tom, white man, Italian Tom, came on and said, you know what we need? We need a big, fat, black lady president. You know, they always just jolly. I said, motherfucker, who are you talking to? Ain't no mammy. Who the hell are you talking to? And I got right up in his face and I just let him know straight up and down. Ain't no goddamn mammy around here. Black women are effervescent. We are interchangeably different from any other woman. Do you understand me? So when I say we are ethereal beings, we are just not good for mammy roles. We're, no, absolutely not. So when people come and they say what they think we want them to say regarding our attitudes, you think we give a fuck? Black girls are magical. We are dipped in gold and smell like honey. But that story barely gets told. What about a black girl who just kind of raises, who is kind of raised in a normal house, a two-parent household, dad is successful, mom is successful, she struggles through her life to figure out what she's going to do and how she fits into this world because no one on TV is like her. Where is her happily ever after? Where is her black girl narrative? So this is an ode to Issa Rae, Ava DuVernay, Mara Brockakill, Stella McGee, Tina Gordon, 
Kasi Lemons, and the list goes on and on for them to be creators of a new black girl narrative. This shit is so epic. This shit is so epic. And I don't think everybody is taking it seriously. You have to take the time to understand how important it is to have a black girl narrative, a true black girl narrative. I love I Can Do Bad All By Myself by Tyler Perry. I love that because you know who I love most? I love Taraji. But look, look at her character. She had to be a callous individual, alcoholic, ain't got nothing going for herself, sing, drink at night, party all night, but she ain't really got two two things to put together. She has to depend on another man to pay bills in her house who's a quote-unquote rapist. In every Tyler Perry's movie, you can count on a black man being a rapist. Now, Tyler, I don't know what you went through in your life. Maybe you did get raped, and I am sorry if you did. But demonizing every black I'm about to cry because it's so fucked up everybody has fuck ups everybody has people that have done things who may be a rapist but not every black man that you have to put in your stories they don't have to be a rapist they don't have to be a junkie they don't have to be a drug dealer for your messages to get through to people. The photograph. The photograph is such an important movie. And the reason why I'm shedding more light on the photograph is because this is a necessary black girl story. And let me tell you why. It's imperative to every black girl to see themselves in a light where they are able to be loved and pursued with love. I want to be pursued with love. I want to be flued out too. I want you to court me. Give me the things that all these other white girls go through in movies. Well, you know, they have this super fairy tale. You don't see no, none of this stereotypical shit going on in, in white movies. You don't. It has been a long time coming for a black girl to get her epic love story. And Issa Rae, you are a motherfucking champion for doing this. Oh, my God, Issa Rae. Issa Rae, Issa Rae, Issa Rae, Issa Rae. Do you understand how powerful Issa Rae is right now, guys? Oh, my God. We're going to touch on that in a bit. We got, I just love Issa Rae. So number two, the reason why the photograph is such an imperative movie for all black girls 
to see is because it's the ability to be able to be vulnerable in so many scenes and clips in this movie, you see that Issa Rae is struggling with her ability to be vulnerable and her, her fear of being loved because she's afraid. She's afraid. I mean, a lot of us are afraid because we know the idea that most possibly <laughs> shit might not go my way. And it's just, it's amazing to see that Lakeith Stanfield, Bay, Lakeith Stanfield, even in the interview says, no black woman bashing will be, will be tolerated at all because he understands the importance of this story from a black man's perspective, you know? Number three, the photograph is such an important movie because we need to see ourselves, our true selves, our true narratives in in stories like this. If all we see is these janky ass, chitlin circuit, Medea ass movies, we will continuously be fed an idea of what a black woman is. In this movie, you see Issa Rae as soft, approachable, funny, giving, vulnerable, scared, fearful, strong, courageous because love in itself is such an a courageous a courageous act so to open oneself to be loved and to love in return is an act of of pure selflessness i'm just in love i love Issa Rae Issa Rae can do no goddamn wrong with me so whatever you got to say you can shut the hell up oh but insecure she was sexually promiscuous no, she wasn't. We look, look, look. She cheated on her boyfriend. She happened. But we not look. No Easter disrespect will be tolerated. All right. We ain't doing that. So getting back to our black female directors and screenwriters. Stella McGee, some of you guys may not know, she is the director for The Photograph, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, and she also created, it's not a black love story, but it is a nice love story where black girl is present, is everything, everything. And that was such a sweet and... um different perspective. It was an interracial couple, but it was definitely amazing to see um, our little girl, Amanda, out there doing her goddamn thing. Issa Rae, queen, queen, Issa Rae. We, hey, I just want to take my hat off to her because I just feel like she's given us so many things to just be proud of, to just be a black girl in this decade right now. Being a black girl and to be funny and to be a creator has always just been such a scary thing. I remember growing up and my mom would say, 
You know, you better stop acting so goofy. Niggas don't like goofy girls. And goofy and funny are two two totally different things for me. And I would just be silly. I would make people laugh. And I like to joke around. I like to do pranks. I'm one of the boys. I want to just, you know, I want to have a little fun. But my mom always said that guys don't like girls like that. You need to just be stuck up. And so a lot of my years I spent being stuck up, you know, and that didn't get me nowhere. So I'm just going to embrace my funny side and my goofiness and I'm just going to love it. And another great thing that Issa Rae always loves to say is that, you know, why are we networking up? Network to who's around you and bring them to the table with you so you can create more opportunities. And that's the one thing Tyler Perry is failing to do. You have no writer's room, so you only have one perspective. And when you only have one perspective, your perspective gets old very fast. People are tired of seeing that played out shit, Tyler Perry. I digress. Tina Gordon is the director of the Little of Little uh, with the girl from Blackish. I can't Mariska. I can't. I can't say her name. I can't. I can't. I love her though, Diane. Uh, <laughs> we the Peoples. Uh, that's with Carrie Hilson. Uh, Carrie Hilson. Oh my God. <laughs> Our girl Carrie. Okay. She also was on the writing team for Drumline and What Men Want, featuring Taraji B. Henson. And she was also on the writing team for ATL. So you got to give a big, big ups to Tina Gordon. She was definitely on a lot of momentous projects, uh, ATL and Drumline. Drumline. Let's talk about Drumline. Drumline. I don't think people understand how important Drumline was going to college. Going to college, Drumline was so freaking essential because that was one of the first mainstream movies that put a highlight on Black culture and Black HBCUs. That that was that was one of the first biggest movies. Okay, and I'm not I'm not saying that's the only one. I'm just saying that was the Biggest movie that shed light on HBCU life, what it meant to pledge, what it meant to to be in the band, what it meant to be a part of organizations, what it meant to go through struggles while trying to navigate on how to become an adult. Like, come the fuck on, drumline was essential. It was an, it was also interchangeably a love story for Nick Cannon and our girl. She not our girl right now. She canceled because she did this damn Nina Simone thing. And she should Zoe Saldana. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Zoe. Girl, you know I'm talking about Zoe. She not our girl right now. She's super canceled, but she was our girl for a long time. Damn, she just had to fuck it up. Let's not go there, okay? <laughs> and Queen Mother, Queen, listen, Queen Mother 
Ava DuVernay. Let's just take a moment to take all her greatness in. Queen Mother Ava DuVernay. She is the co-producer, director, and co-writer on When They See Us. She is the creator of Queen Sugar and the director of Queen Sugar. She is the director director of A Wrinkle in Time. And she is the director of an upcoming new series on her own channel called Cherish the Day. Now, Ava, Queen Mother, Queen Mother, mm. Mm, Queen Mother, Queen Sugar. It was, how do you dissect Queen Sugar? Like you can't. It's so much blackness in Queen Sugar. Like it's so much greatness going on in Queen Sugar alone. So it's just like, how do you put that type of greatness into words? You just can't. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back and we're going to get back into continuously talking about Queen Ava DuVernay. Hey, really quickly, I wanted to interrupt the podcast just to remind you to make sure you are liking, commenting, and sharing and leaving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you listen by way of Anchor FM, make sure you are tapping that love button or leaving me a voicemail. Hey, I want to hear what you're thinking about the podcast. Did I say or did me and my girl say anything that has inspired you or made you think about something? I want to know. So make sure you are leaving me a review and you're telling me all of your favorite things about the podcast, sharing them with your friends so we can have more girls helping healing in the tribe. Also, I want to make sure you guys are following me on social media. Make sure you're following this show's page, BGU Podcast, on Instagram, and also my personal Instagram page, CocoAmore.BGU. Hey, let's get back to the podcast. All right, y'all. So I just want to let y'all know I'm not taking breaks to, you know, go drink and stuff. I'm actually um, not drinking today because <laughs> I'm going to drink tonight. <laughs> so Queen Ava DuVernay is like none other. She is one of the greatest to ever do it. She is definitely the GOAT <laughs> of Black Girl Narratives. Um. She is taking back ownership of not only the black girl narrative, but the black man narrative. In Queen Sugar, you see a complex relationship between three siblings, two of which that shared the same mother, one that did not, that had a white mother. And you learn to see the complexity of what it takes for Black men to navigate in a life outside of bars. Now, is that a stereotype? It may be. But at the same time, look how Ralph Angel 
progresses as a character. That's something that could never happen in a Tyler Perry movie. Um, Usually when the guy is down, he's down for the whole time or, you know, it takes a Jesus moment for it to happen. And, you know, Jesus does amazing things and we're not going to take any credit from the most high, but we're just saying narratives, right? So you see the progression from a childish boy to a man and what it takes for him to be a father, for him to come to terms with being um, a father to a child that's no longer his by knowledge. And you see the complexity of a character like Bianca. She was a drug addict. You know, I think, I think definitely it's some own Oprah shit that's going on back there. But look how she changes, you know, she, she's evolving. I don't like, you know, I don't like really seeing drug addicts for, you know, black moms and TV shows and films and stuff, because I think it's so typical for them to make us seem like we have this, you know, drug problem and uh, only black people are on drugs when actuality, no, we're, we're actually not, not the ones that have the drug problems, but, um, Needless to say, <laughs> needless to say, it is some it is some similarities uh, because of the overseers of Queen Sugar and some of Tyler Perry's works. But the thing about Ava DuVernay, which is special, is that she creates possibilities of greatness with all of her characters and her characters have an evolving, evolving role. And you can see the vulnerability, you can see the changes that all of the characters go through by season with some of the Tyler Perry uh, meet the pains. Uh, The mom was a drug addict. Um, the dad had his shit together, you know, it was a firefighter, you know, they were married and they had the uncle and that's a typical black family, you know, to some people that, you know, they always, they probably had a drug addict mother, but, and, you know, in some situations I can totally relate, but I am not here to say Tyler Perry's wrong and Ava's right. I'm saying the evolution of the characters should be continuously happening. If we have the same type of behavior from the character, what's so special about the TV show or what's so special about, you know, watching it? Like, why do I consume that type of stuff? Ava DuVernay outside of Queen Sugar has directed A Wrinkle in Time where a little black girl is is defying physics and logic and using her brain to get into this dark space to bring her father back. Now, regardless that the father is white, but it is a story where a black girl is, you know, on top, you know, she, she's doing what she has to do. And then it takes me to Cassie Lemons, who directed the 
they're the incomparable Eve's Bayou. Like for uh, Eve's Bayou. Again, stories of struggle, sexual abuse, you know. But these are black women who created subliminal messages in Ease Bayou. Like it was a black writing team, it was a black director, Cassie Lemons, and they created Ease Bayou. And I loved it. It was sad to watch. It was hard to watch. It was difficult because, oh, it just it just gives you this feeling of of helplessness, you know, watching East by you. But you know, hey, you look, things happened in that movie. And if you have not seen East by you, I just want you to, you know, give it give it a look see. I want you to give it a look see and and go from there. But the importance of honoring these women who are in these roles and who's producing, and also Mara Braca Kill, you know, she's she's producing and directing This Is Love on the own channel. She has the TV show Being Mary Jane. She, I mean, so many good projects where these black women are ever ever evolving. They're complicated. They are going through things that every woman outside of racial barriers are going through. And I think that's so important for everyone to see Black women in every aspect of who we are. I hate it when I saw uh, This Is For Color Girls, For Color Girls. And that movie Tyler Perry directed is basically poem turned a turned a play and it was it was difficult to watch because the poem wasn't like that the poem the poem wasn't like the poem wasn't like that and it's so hard it's so hard to see, you know, him just take a poem and create some bullshit the way he did. You know, it's it's so hard for me to even see it on Netflix. And all I do is just like bypass it, bypass it. Like I don't want to see it because and it, it couldn't be every stereotype. You know, Janet Jackson's dying from AIDS. Like, I don't think any white woman in any movie got AIDS. Do I want white women in movies to get AIDS? No, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, I want, I want a narrative in which black women aren't fucked up. Not all of us are fucked up. I can't I can't name a story where anything Tyler Perry has created where a black woman isn't fucked up. I'll wait for you to go ahead and, and name one. Name one where a black girl wasn't fucked up and go. 
I was waiting for you to respond and I didn't hear anything. So I, uh, I, I, I guess you didn't, couldn't name one. So, <laughs> but you know, he is such, he, he has so much potential to me and I'm so disappointed in Tyler Perry. So I just wanted to just reiterate that it's black girls who is who is living their dreams, who has it all, who who can do it. You know? And we can do it. 